we'd like to welcome you back to part two of our current event and weekly Bible study for November 30th, 2014. Next is a uh, listener question. I kind of entitled this part, Harper Collins and the Duck Commander, New King James Version of the Bible, Duck Dynasty Warning. Uh, now, I've issued several warnings about Duck Dynasty in the newsletters I've put out. I've mentioned it some during my audio teachings. I have pretty much a large file now on several different things that I've been compiling on Duck Dynasty, and none of it's good. So, <clears throat> uh, But for this purpose, we're just going to be talking about this one thing here which they've just introduced, evidently, a New King James Version Bible. Okay. So, just yet one more way to make money, you know, is what it always ends up boiling down to. And so, um, this is from Matt, a listener. He says, Hello, Brother Scott. I was doing some research to put together a video of your Xmas teaching, and you mentioned how HarperCollins publishes the Satanic Bible. So I went to Harper Collins' website, and right on the front page, they announced that they're publishing Phil Robinson's Duck Commander, Phil Robinson of the Duck Dynasty fame or whatever, Duck Commander, New King James Version of the Bible, as of November 17th. Um, so I provide you that link here, or he does, and she, he says, such a sickening article that goes along with it too. So just clicking on the link... Um, now, HarperCollins also owns Thomas Nelson, so they also own Zondervan. More on that in, in a minute. And it, this is actually Phil and Al Robertson, their Bible, Faith and Family Bible, New King James Version. So, um, again, yet one more way to make more money on a corrupted version. And I'm going to get into that in a minute. Had a uh, somebody this week, I wouldn't call him a listener, but last, I don't know, couple weeks, email me emphatically saying how the KJV is no good and the New King James is, is the only version, evidently. And there's so much information exposing the New King James. I mean, it, it is just absolutely, totally overwhelming. And um, ended up you know, calling me a charlatan and all this stuff. And and what I, I issue, the challenge that I typically say is, you know, um, I pray that if you're right in your assessment of me, that God would kill me tonight. I say this before you and before the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? So that I'm not deceiving anyone ever again. I've issued that challenge, not really a challenge. And I say, pray for my destruction. Pray for it. Go ahead. And and if you don't hear from me again, then you'll know. You know, you can have that smug self of, of sense of self-confidence knowing that you were vindicated and, and God destroyed me. And so I, I just, you know, I, that's pretty much what I say because I don't want to be deceiving anyone. I do not want to be out there. If, if that's what I'm doing, then take me out, God. Kill me. I don't need to be deceiving people. And I've done that for years. I don't say that a lot online, but I mean it. I really mean it. <laughs> I'm not I'm not joking about that. And and that's how that's how emphatic I am um 
I, I guess, willing to put my money where my mouth is, or whatever you want to call it, about this. And, um, you know, because if he's right about the New King James, <laughs> then I am the most deceived person on the planet. And I'm going to get into that in a minute. Um, so, that therefore, everything is on me. All the onus is on me. I'm not even attacking the other person. Everything's on me. You know, and, and I feel like I don't know how much more I could fare, I can make it. So, um, my response to this email, and then I'm going to get into the New King James stuff a little bit, is um, uh, Harper Collins, who actually owns the uh, now Thomas Nelson and Zonder fan, um, is uh, a, a really evil, evil company. And um, the Bible says in Ephesians 5.11, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. That's what, that's what this ministry is all about. Reproving the unfruitful works of darkness. And then it really defines what reproving is in the next verse. It says, but all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. And that's all we're doing is shedding light on the works of darkness much of the time. Um, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. So that's what we're, we're attempting to do. Now, publisher of the NIV also publishes the Satanic Bible. Okay, I'm not making this up, it does. In 1988, Zonderfan became a division of HarperCollins, obviously much more recently Thomas Nelson. Uh, HarperCollins is one of the world's leading English language publishers. HarperCollins is part of News America Publishing Group, a division of News Corp. Um, and so that's straight from Zondervan customer support. So Zondervan, which is owned by HarperCollins, in other words, HarperCollins owns the, um, publishes the Satanic Bible and other, other many disgusting things. If you visit HarperCollins.com, you'll find some very discouraging and evil books for sale that are published by this company. There are a number of pro-homosexual titles, and amidst these evil books, we will find the following ad- advertisement from the same publishing company. The foregoing is excerpted from the Satanic Bible by Anton LaVey. All rights reserved. No part of this book may be reproduced uh, without written permission from Harper College publishers. Uh, notice that Harper College not only publishes pro-homosexual books, they publish the Satanic Bible as well. Uh, and then... What else do we find offered from such a publisher of sleazy, godforsaken books in these last days? This publisher of homosexual books and blatantly satanic books is also the publisher of the NIV New International Version, uh, which has over 64,000 less words than the KJV, which is almost 10% of the total text. They have whole, whole verses removed out of the NIV, which is true with a lot of other versions as well. And... Um, James 3.2, can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either of, either of vine figs, so can no fountain yield both salt water and fresh. So, is the tree corrupt or is it not corrupt, is what, what we're examining here. Zonderfan is a subsidiary of HarperCollins, which is owned by News Corp., which is also owned by Rupert Murdoch. He is one of the biggest producers of worldwide pornography on the planet. Okay, so this is the guy that... Um, owns News Corp, which owns HarperCollins, which owns Zonderfan. HarperCollins also owns Thomas Nelson. 
and this is one of the most wicked men on the planet, produces pornography. Um, his company, Zonderfan, holds the exclusive distribution rights to the NIV, among other things. Who knows what it is now? This conglomerate also, also publishes Good News for Modern Man and the Amplified Version. Well, that was at the time of this writing. Who knows what it is now? Because this is a little dated here. So that's what you're dealing with. I've done a whole um, uh, slash kind of where I talked about Rick Warren and Rupert Murdoch. Rupert Murdoch goes to Rick Warren's church, Saddleback Church. He's a card-carrying member. <laughs> He's a no need of rebuke because Rick Warren is even worse than he is. I think in God's eyes, at least Zonderfan's not trying to hide behind the, the cross in order to, you know, earn his billions. He's just flat-out evil. Or, I mean, not Zonderfin, Rupert Murdoch. But yeah, he's a member of Saddleback Church, Rupert Murdoch. So, just key in Murdoch, or Rupert, uh, or Saddleback, you'll find it on the uh, in the keyword search bar at contendingfortruth.com. What I'm going to try to do, uh, we've pretty much got all the teachings up to date now. Old, old audios that were not working of past teachings have been uh, redone. And uh, most of the PDFs have the right most current heading, other than just like the most current ones. Um, other than that, all the audio should be working on all the studies I've done over the years, going all the way back to 2006. I've had my daughter Taylor working on that for a long time now. And um, I think at this point, as far as total parts up there, total parts, you're looking at around a 1,000 uh, audio teachings up on the uh, contendingfortruth.com site. And uh, when we left Sermon Audio, they kind of left us in the lurch, and, and we had some uh, some things we had to contend with rather quickly. And it's taken me a long time to get everything back up to kind of where it should be. When you have that many audio teachings, it, it's tough because it's, it's just the volume of it becomes totally overwhelming. What I want to do is have every single one of the audio teachings in chronological order on one page, where you can literally just click on one page and scroll down and, and, and all the way until the very, very first teaching. And that way, if there's something that maybe you were looking for that you didn't find in the search, um, or even if you just wanted to listen to them chronologically, I can't even imagine how many how much time it would take you to listen to all of them. And and I do apologize on on the earliest teachings, especially the audio quality wasn't that great. Um, the voice recorder that I was using was different than the one I'm using now. The the just it took me a long time to get the the audio aspects kind of hammered out. And um, not to say it's perfect now, but um, it was wasn't that great in the beginning. And, and I definitely uh, not to say that I'm any kind of great orator. But I was pretty rough in the beginning as far as my presentation. So, uh, anyway, that's going all the way back to 2006. That's what I'd like to do next on the website. So, I'm looking into doing that. Anyway, um, let's go further here. Okay, so going further, uh, let's get into the little bit of the New King James Version. Uh, and, again, I, I provide several links here about the New King James Version. And the first one's New King James and the Lucius Trust, ready for the One World Church. The New King James Version translators remove the phrase, quote, he that should come, meaning referring to Jesus Christ, and replaced it with the New Age interfaith term, quote, the coming one. 
Three times they did this in the New King James Version. Here's the, a link to see the verses they did it in. In like fashion, Lucius Trust, and we're going to get into what Lucius Trust is in a second, removed the word Christ and replaced it with the coming one in their great invocation prayer, which has been revised. Uh, the great invocation is a world prayer and mantra for the new age that Lucius Trust states is a major agent for transformation of the human will. This is literally a prayer that they have. They want everybody at least once per year that are their followers to pray. And there's a day that they pray it all. And basically what it's praying for is the coming of the one world awaited um, savior. But in this case, what, it, what they're praying for is the antichrist and false prophet to come. Okay, that's what they're essentially praying for in the form of what they would term as an ascended master. Now, I've covered this many times. If you're not familiar with this subject, Kian Maitreya, M-A-I-T-R-E-Y-A, I believe, Maitreya, um, or um, Goodwill, because I talk about world goodwill, we'll talk about that in a second, um, or ascended master, that type of thing. You'll find the, the teachings I've done on this subject. And so, this great invocation is basically like mass witchcraft. It's a prayer basically praying for the coming awaited Antichrist to come and usher in a new world order, a new uh, age of, of enlightenment type of thing. And so, high-level Luciferians, this is one of their big... Uh, Goals, okay, and there's a, obviously a lot of Bible uh, talking about that as well. These changes make the world prayer more universal. So both the New King James and the um, Lucius Trust modify the Great Invocation Prayer to use the the phrase um, "the coming one." Both of them did this, and um, I think it was always that way in the New King James, but in the uh, in the Great Invocation, they actually revised it. These changes make the world prayer more universal, inclusive, and unifying. The text alterations made to the New King James Version cause the Bible to be more universal, inclusive, and unifying as well. Let's learn a little bit more. Lucius Trust, Alice Bailey, World Goodwill, and the False Light of the World. Alice Ann Bailey, a leading disciple of the Russian theosophist, theosophist Madame Helena Blavatsky, who was basically nothing more than a high-level Satanist slash Luciferian, um, they formed the Lucifer Publishing Company in 1920. Uh, Alice Bailey did in 1920. In 1922, the, saw the organization's name changed to Lucius Trust through the advancement of Luciferian beliefs, though the, the advancement of Luciferian beliefs remained true. In other words, in 1922, the organization's name was, was, um, oh, I'm sorry. In 1920, Alice Bailey formed Lucifer Publishing Company. Okay. In 1922, because she was taking so much heat, she changed it to Lucius, which is much more innocuous. Still means Lucifer. Okay. Just a shortened version. Um, and that this is what this the person that did this, Alice Bailey, was a follower of Madame Blavatsky. Beliefs that, in Blavatsky's words, quote, oppose the materialism of science and every dogmatic theology, especially the Christian. That's what Lucius Trust is devoted to. 
okay, opposing um, every theology, especially Christian, which the chiefs of society regard as particularly pernicious, meaning the elite regard Christianity as the chief enemy, particularly pernicious. That was straight from Blavatsky, okay, who is who is the one that spawned Alice Bailey, who then went on to trans-channel, uh, I mean, like, I think over 20 books or something, through these ascended masters that would literally trans-channel through her and she would automatically write these books. Meaning, she's basically just like on autopilot while they're actually channeling these books through her, Alice Bailey. If you go up to Matreya's website at Share International, the, the, the one that says that he is going to be the coming one world savior um, to all the major religions okay, of the world, all major five religions, the, under the recommended reading section, the main books they emphasize you to read are Alice Bailey's books. Okay? Maitreya is also intricately interconnected with the United Nations, with World Goodwill, with Lucius Trust. They're all interconnected with the United Nations, which is kind of like basically the backbone of the coming New World Order. So all of this is interrelated and interconnected, and it's not by accident. And so, I'm, I'm trying to give you more background on Lucius Trust, so you can kind of understand, you know, and they're the ones that have put out this invocation prayer about the coming one. And the, in, the New King James tra- changed three of their verses, you know, to the coming one as well, regarding Jesus Christ. Lucius Trust promulgates the work of an ascended master who was working through Alice Bailey for some 30 years. Lucius Trust Publishing Company and their many fronts and organizations worship an externalized hierarchy of ascended masters who carry out the work of the Luciferian master plan for the establishment of a permanent age of Aquarius ruled by one Sanat Kumara otherwise known as the Lord of the World. Sanat meaning Satan, essentially. It's just basically um, a couple words flipped, a couple letters flipped around. He's one of the Ascended Masters. He's not Maitreya, um, and Maitreya is just one of the Ascended Masters. Okay, There's also Lord, the Master Jesus, or Sananda Esau Emmanuel. He's one of the Ascended Masters too. It's not the Jesus of the Bible, and I've warned about him. Just Kian Sananda, or Master Jesus in the keyword search box, and he's going to be one of the ones that come back with them when they make their big debut, and he's going to be the ones, the one responsible uniting all the Christian religions, but primarily um, ruling through Catholicism, trying to influence and bring all the other major denominations on board through lines, signs, miracles, and wonders. Just like the Bible says that the Antichrist and false prophet will deceive everyone through lying signs, wonders, and miracles. Okay, Could you imagine if that same guy that looked just like Jesus in all those paintings that we got, that if he came back and, and all, wow, he looks just like him, that long hair, really Adonis looking Jesus. He looks just like all the pictures hanging up in, in um, the churches and in people's houses and stuff. Yeah, he's the ascended master. Yeah, Sananda Emmanuel Esau. Yeah, he's Master Jesus. He's the one that's going to come back with them. He looks just like him. Yeah, he's the one. The Bible says, 
regarding the real Jesus Christ when he was here on earth that there was no there, there was no beauty in him that we that we would desire him okay he wasn't this adonis uh long hair guy the bible also says that doesn't nature therefore itself teach you that it is a shame for a man to have long hair okay the bible says that so if you have a problem with me your your problem's not with me it says that in the bible in the new testament not the old even so i don't believe that jesus had long hair and that he was this adonis looking guy no it's the actual opposite of that and so you know regarding that i've done i've done several teachings on that and i think i even did an update on that um recently and so if he comes back this fake false jesus comes back with let's say sanat kumara and Maitreya and um, Saint Germain and there's other ascended masters that, that are going to play their part in the worldwide deception. Do you know how many people are going to fall for the whole um, lie of the Antichrist and false prophet, particularly Christians, just because of that one thing alone? Do you know how many people, just because they're going to associate that fake false Jesus, even though his gospel is going to be totally contrary to the word of God, that's why we always compare everything with the word of God, which is the anvil of truth, okay? There are going to be millions of Christians from this one reason alone I'm talking about that are going to fall hook, line, and sinker for this false Jesus just because he looks just like them. And, and I mean, I, I hate to say it, but that's exactly what I see happening here. I'm just going right now to my, my file I have on this just to kind of uh, update you. Now, as far as this image goes, okay, the most current uh, information I've seen is, um, and I, I got into this in a, in a recent study, that this image that we see um, of this fake false Jesus is, my name is Caesar Borgia. I was the son of Pope Alexander IV, um, who was also known as Ro Rodrigo Borga, who was a gangster, warmongering, greedy, orgy-having, uh, running a criminal empire pope. My dad forced my image on the church and made you worship me ever since 1490. In other words, this image they're actually getting, okay, for these pictures, I believe, that Michelangelo ended up bringing to us, um, was from this guy, Caesar Borgia, who was the actual son of Pope Alexander IV. Michelangelo, who was actually living at the same time this guy was alive, okay, from um, 1475 uh, to uh, 1564, that's when Michelangelo lived, um, he, was, he was living in the same time as Caesar Borgia. And this is where we actually get the images from. Primarily through the Catholic Church. Okay? That's the dude. Okay? So, an ascended master in this particular way can present himself any way he wants to present. I mean, these things are like shape-shifting devils. So, this is the image since 1490 that the, let's say, the New World Order, coming one world religious system has this is the face that they want to put to Jesus Christ, that they want you to buy, hook, line, and sinker. 
Okay, comes from this guy, Caesar Borgia, painted by Michelangelo, presented who was um, the Caesar Borgia, who was the son of Pope Alexander IV, and who has been propagated down through the ages through all of these paintings that we see in pictures now. And it's been ingrained in people's minds that this is what Jesus looks like. You know, so... The Bible says, Isaiah 53, 2, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, this is referring to Jesus Christ, and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form or comeliness, meaning he has no, uh, he's not handsome. Okay, And when we see, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. That's what it says about Jesus Christ. And, you know, so anyway, I just wanted to get into that because that by itself is super, super important that you know that. Okay? Because, like I said, tons of people are going to buy this whole lie just because of the image alone. That's all it's going to take. Oh, he looks just like him. It's him. <laughs> no, please. That's not the case. So let's go further here. Um, Lucius Trust is a powerful institution that enjoys consultative status with the United Nations, which permits it to have a close working relationship uh, with the UN, including a seat on weekly sessions, but most importantly, influence... I mean, this is literally Luciferian Trust, started by Alice Bailey, trans-channeling witch, Lucius Trust has a close relationship with the UN, including a seat on its weekly sessions. This is the one world government under Satan, essentially, being formed. And they're openly admitting to it. But most importantly, influence with, with powerful business and national leaders throughout the world. Through its founding of world goodwill, Lucius Trust is aggressively involved in promoting a globalist ideology. Authors and participants in its various conferences read like a who's who of globalist insiders. Featured on its website, for example, and there's a link to this, is the Universal Declaration of Human Responsibilities, put forth in April of 1998 as a companion document to the notorious UN Universal Declaration on Human Rights. Signatories to the World Goodwill document include Helmut Schmidt, former Chancellor of West Germany, Malcolm Fraser, former Australian Prime Minister, Oscar Herrera Sanchez, former Prime Minister of Costa Rica, Simone Perez, Robert McNamara, Paul Volcker, and Jimmy Carter. Uh, it is much as a political organization as it is an occult religious one. This is the World Goodwill, okay, which is an offshoot of Lucius um, publishing or trust, which is all interconnected with the United Nations and these ascended masters. So, this is as bad as it gets. Lucius Trust is run through an international board of trustees whose membership is said to have included John D. Rockefeller, Norman Cousins, Robert S. McNamara, Thomas Watson Jr., uh, who is... IBM and former U.S. Ambassador to Moscow, Henry Clausen, uh, who was Grand Commander of the Supreme Council of the 33rd Degree Southern District Scottish Rite Freemasons, and Henry Kissinger. This would then tie Bailey's, Alice Bailey's influential occult organization into the international conspiracy of elitists, including the Council on Foreign Relations, the Bilderbergs, and the Trilateral Commission. It's one big, slimy, you know, 
I don't know what you want to call it. It's, it's just one big slimy organization, all interconnected, is what we're dealing with here. Okay, so moving on. Uh, now, I'm just going to provide you with some links on the New King James. The, the first one and the next one is New King James Version and the One World Church, how that's all interconnected. And then New King James, the transitional bridge to more corrupt versions. So it's, it's a transitional bridge to get you into versions like the NIV and the other corrupt versions. They're getting so bad now, you can't even, you know, I mean, there's just no way to even get saved out a lot of the Bibles. And, and, again, a lot of it boils down to money, too, because every time they come out with a new version, they can copyright it. When they can copyright it, then they make more money, they sell more Bibles, it's the flavor of the week, you know. And then the next one is New King James Editor's Footnote Agenda, Bible is in a State of Flux. And then New King James Version in, in the Derivative Copyright Law. Next one, New King James, the theological changes to the text, the censoring of Belial. And then Thomas Nelson Publishers boldly emphasized the triquetra symbol, which I don't think they're doing it anymore, but for many, many years they put the triquetra symbol on the cover of the New King James Version, which is the triple Wiccan goddess symbol. It's not the symbol of the Trinity. Yes, it is the Trinity, the pagan trinity. Okay, in witchcraft, that is what it is known as. It is not a good symbol. It is a, a cursed symbol. It'd be like putting a pentagram on the front of your Bible. That works for a satanic Bible. Doesn't work for a um, a real Bible, a godly Bible. Okay, and anyway, there's a link to that. And then there's the the last link um, is also a full study on the triquetra symbol. On the cover. And a lot of, of other like Christian rock bands and stuff like that have also adopted the symbol. It's also on a lot of witchcraft manuals. Okay? Right on the very cover. Just like it is on the New King James. Okay? So, not my imagination. All of this stuff is verifiable. But it's way too much for me to go over in, in, in a particular study. So, I give you all of the links here. And they're going to be on just about page... Uh, probably page 23. You'll see the links to these things, okay? All right, let's go further here. Next one, listener feedback regarding the feminine God, Mother, Divinity, and Unholy Trinity. Uh, Dear Dr. Johnson, hoping this email finds you well. I'm checking in with an interesting story to tell. I had gone to a very crowded Walmart, reluctantly so, to pick up some household items. My husband and son headed over to the section where household cleaners were, And I mentioned to them I needed to use the restroom quickly and I would join them. I used the restroom and came out to wash my hands. There were two young girls in their early 20s putting on makeup. I washed my hands and walked out of the restroom. I wasn't even 10 paces away from the restroom when one of the women came up to me from behind and said, Can I speak with you, miss? Immediately I thought perhaps they were collecting money for charity. She continued, I would like to invite you to a Bible study my group and I are having on the feminine God, Mother, Divinity, and Holy Trinity. We are also studying end-time prophecy. (laughs) Oh, man. She goes on to say, now, Dr. J, I must admit, as born-again Bible believers, weird things like this will occur, but I never thought this would happen to me. My face flushed with heat. I answered and said, are you worshiping Mary then? What are you worshiping? She continued, well, in Genesis, God said, in the beginning, let us make man like unto our image. 
the R meaning there was a God, a man, and a woman. There is a trinity between God, man, and woman, the female divinity. End of quote. I retorted, what? It does not say that in Genesis. She responded quickly, do you believe in the Holy Trinity? And she said, yes, God the Father, the Son, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, I answered. There is no female divinity when the Lord said, come and let us make man in our image. I mean, that's wildly speculating there. And there's, and there's, no, there's no Bible to even remotely prove that, that it, that it meant uh, uh, like a female goddess thrown in there. No, God the Son, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's what the R means. Let's make man an R image. That's what that means. But but again, people get in there and they want to throw their, their opinion in there, wildly speculating that this means there's a woman in, involved with it. And I'm not putting down women. I'm just saying this is a, basically what they're trying to do is put a female pagan deity into the Godhead, into the Trinity, which there is no Bible for, obviously. And then she says, um, he was with his son Jesus Christ at the time. Jesus was with the Lord before the foundation of the world. She goes on and says, well, in the Garden of Eden, Eve was divine and walked with God. Oh, really? Now, I put my comment in here. The Bible does not say that. And, and I said, what I did is I did a keyword search for where it ever it said walked with God in the Bible. It only occurs three times in the Bible. And it's not that Eve ever walked with God. It does not say that, okay? Genesis 5.22, And Enoch walked with God, and after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And then it says in verse two verses later, Genesis 5.24, And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. God translated him off this earth. He never, he never experienced death. Just like Elijah. They're the only two in the Old Testament. That, that never experienced death. And I think that's why it's, it's a very good likelihood that when the two witnesses come back, it's going to be Enoch uh, uh, and, and Elijah from the Old Testament. And I don't want to get in a big debate about that. I'm just saying. I, I think that they're the most two most likely candidates. Anyway, then where else does it say that any other person ever walked with God in the Bible? Well, only other one other verse, Genesis 6-9. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. But that's it. it doesn't say Eve walked with God. Again, she's, I don't know, maybe she's got a, a mother uh, feminine divine goddess Bible version where she's getting that verse from. I don't know. Anyway, and again, this is why I'm so big on just using the King James because God is not the author of confusion. He's not going to have a hundred different versions out there, so many of them contradicting one another in like thousands of places. It, it, God doesn't work that way. You know, the Bible says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. The word of God is settled, and you need to make sure your Bible is, you know, matching the words in heaven. So, anyway, going further, I answered her. I said, no, that is not correct. Adam and Eve were not divine. If you were saying Eve had divinity, you were saying she reigned with God as a goddess of some sort. Uh, when God made man, he made Adam as a human being, and Eve was taken from the rib of Adam's side. If you believe Eve was divine, then Eve could not sin, and she did. Both of them did. What Bible are you reading? I was completely flabbergasted at this point. Her friend who is looking at me in fear says indignantly, it doesn't matter what Bible you're reading, with an exclamation point. <laughs> Again, exactly. 
You see how messed up people get when they don't think it matters what Bible you're reading? I know one thing. I was really messed up when I didn't think it mattered what Bible I was reading. When I was, when I, right before I came out of the Pentecostal church, and I'd have like an Amplified and an NIV and a Living Bible, and I didn't have a King James. Of course not. Um, and, you know, reading all these different versions, and then you start thinking, yeah, but if you combine these three versions, maybe the Bible really means this. So you then you start reinterpreting the Bible. I know, I've been there, done it. I mean, really, I have. So it's so dangerous. It doesn't matter what Bible you're reading. Oh, boy, I'm so glad that she feels that way. Anyway, going back to this, it says, I answered and said, yes, it does. If you compare the King James Version, for example, to the NIV, they omit Jesus Christ over 600 times. Like I said, they've got, I think to be exact, 64,098 less words than the KJV, which is almost 10% of the total text. Less in an NIV compared to a KJV. Well, that's, that's 10% is like a tithe, right? Well, who are they tithing those words to? Well, is it Satan? Sure, sure not God, you know? I mean, and not only that, it's a corrupt version. From the Revised Version, ultimately spawned from the 1881 Westcott and Hort, which was translated from two corrupt Catholic manuscripts, the Sinaiticus and the, um, the Vaticanus and the Sinaiticus. It's from a totally corrupt stream. Anyway, let's go further. She changed the subject. Well, the Bride of Christ refers to the female divinity in the end times in the book of Revelation. I answered, no, the bride of Christ are born-again Bible believers infused with the grace of forgiveness for all sins by Jesus Christ, shedding his blood on Calvary for us. I can speak from my personal testimony. I was a liar, an idolater. I followed Beyonce and what other celeb was fascinating at the time. A glutton with food, and the Lord saved me and took um, all these things from me. Only he can do this. Her friend, who seemed infuriated with me, says, well, we really have to go. She starts pulling on the arm of her partner, who was in total shock at what I just said. She says, well, it was nice to speak to you. We just wanted to invite you. I said to her, if you are studying end times prophecy, I urge you to stick to the KJV and check out contendingfortruth.com by Scott Johnson. (laughs) Oh, man, I don't think they'd be very open to what I would say. (laughs) But I do pray their souls get saved or they get straightened out because they are deluded, these poor girls. I mean, they are deceived. But the thing that aggravates me about them which is what I feel all of this righteous indignation when I see these Mormons, you know, riding down the road in their little, their you know, little uh, suit and tie and, and white shirt and oh, they're and all I could think of is all they're doing is going there from house to house trying to get people into hell, because that's what they're doing. That is what their 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 task is from Satan. You go, you try to brainwash these people with your little pet cult devil doctrine. And get as many people into hell under the under the be under the uh, guise of Mormonism, under this hypocritical, false devil cult religion. I mean, that's all they're doing, and and unfortunately, that's what these girls are doing. Because you can't believe this and be saved. You know, I mean, you start throwing this female divinity stuff in there, goddess worship and stuff, and you know. Uh, you're you're going to get into a real perverse gospel, not, and definitely not the gospel. And, and if they don't even care what Bible version they're reading, I mean, again, that's a lot of times where this starts. 
You know, if you don't know, uh, I've done uh, separate teachings on both Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses, exposing them. You can key those in in the keyword search box and find those. Anyway, um, uh, my husband met me in an aisle, and he says, Vanessa, your face is red. Are you all right? My body felt like it was on fire. Uh, I am worried about that other girl, and I will pray for her. Yeah, absolutely. Amen. Please share my testimony if you can. There are dozens of people uh, there, and they singled me out, and I was not afraid in Jesus' name. Yeah, good for you. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. That's awesome. Uh, How do they have these young girls trying to lure other women in? And again, that's the, you know, who knows how many they might end up getting to believe their, quote, damnable heresy, which is what this is. Okay, this is another gospel, you know, like the Bible talks about. Uh, what type of cult is this? And that was from Vanessa. And so my response, this is the Shekinah glory cult. Now, at the time, I didn't give all this to her because I needed to actually put all this together. So I'm kind of answering her, her question now. Um, but this is the Shekinah glory cult prevalent among different apostate sects of Christianity. Shekinah is the doctrine that the Holy Spirit is female. Okay, now you may think, oh, nobody believes. Yeah, they do, trust me. This is one of those ones that's going to probably end up taking millions to hell. No, not probably, will. And and when you see, it's actually very prevalent. Okay, and think about it. Satan's always trying to pervert everything, right? I mean, even when he presents himself as Baphomet, okay, or the goat of Mendez, the one where he's got the goat head with the, um, like, female breasts, okay, He's this androgynous creature, this perversion, both male and female. And if you believe that about the Trinity, and if the Trinity are one, then you would have this amalgamation of male and female, and just this perversion, okay, of what is truth. So this is a big deal to Satan, is I guess the point I'm trying to make here. This is is very near and dear to his heart, because this this is striking at the very... Um, divinity, uh, the, the, the very essence of God himself. This is trying to pervert that. You know, this isn't like having something to do with one of the followers of Jesus or, or whatever. This is striking at, trying to strike directly at God himself, if you think about this. So this really is the height of blasphemy, what we're dealing with here when we deal with this Shekinah glory garbage. okay. The first thing I thought when I heard about this movement is that this is the essence of the very doctrine of Satan. Now this is from an, uh, uh, a report entitled Shekinah, the Doctrine that the Holy Spirit is Female. But it sums up what I'm trying to convey here. Um, this is the very doctrine of Satan because the, do- the doctrine would tend to justify homosexuals, lesbians, and gender benders through faith in this other gospel. Well well put. And it just kind of confirms what I just said as well. God is male. He created man in his image. He is the father and his son is Jesus. The Holy Spirit enabled Mary to conceive Jesus. Matthew one twenty. Joseph, thou son of David, fear not uh, to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Okay, a female does not conceive another female. Okay, I guess not conceive another female. A female does not impregnate, I guess, would be the actual um, 
if you were like looking at that, okay. And again, I don't want to say get too into like whatever. I'm just saying that it doesn't make sense if the Holy Spirit was female, okay. Um, anyway, so what it boils down to is this doctrine is backwards and illogical. Jesus stated in John 16, 7 and 8, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. The Comforter mean the Holy Spirit, okay? But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Holy Spirit, totally masculine, okay? Referred to in the masculine sense. Never in the female divinity sense. (laughs) Female goddess divinity sense. And look at what is so emphasized in so many of the modern day. Oh, pray to Mother Mary. Pray to Mother Medjugorje. Oh, and then you, you look back over time. Oh, pray to Isis. Pray to Aphrodite. You know, all of these female deities. And this is just trying to suck you back into that same pagan pattern. Okay, it's just repackaging it, except in probably the most blasphemous way you can repackage it, if you think about it. Um, This heresy, okay, let's go further. Um, God spoke of false prophets this way. I have not sent these prophets, yet they ran. I have not spoken to them, yet they prophesied. That's the the mark of a false prophet. And that's more the norm, way more the norm, than it is, you know, the exception especially in today's day and age. It says that in Jeremiah 23, 21. This heresy has been largely propagated by a woman named Monica Dennington. I have seen her videos on YouTube for years. Her ministry is called TikTok Ministries. Uh, One of her videos is called, quote, The Hidden Link, The Feminine Holy Spirit. Uh, Now I have to tell you, that title alone is enough for me to know that she is extremely satanic. This woman, to me, is beyond creepy. Okay, I watched like one or two of her videos and it was like within two to three minutes. I'm like, this woman is, is from the pit of hell. Her doctrine she's putting out there really, really bad. She's got like, like her hair's all this crazy colors and stuff and she just looks really strange to me. And, and, um, yeah, TikTok ministries. Now I've had over the years a lot of, I think you would say, I don't know, not first time, but new listeners. They would get, they got wrapped up with this woman. You know, the Bible says, of whom a man is overcome, the same he is brought into bondage. Okay? And so it says, while they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. These are these false prophets, these false ministers, these, these angels of, of light that, that try to appear as ministers of righteousness, but are actually ministers of Satan. Like, this is how the Bible refers to them as. Okay? So, while they promise them liberty, they themselves are servants of corruption. For of whom, is, uh, of whom a man is overcome, the same he is brought into bondage. Okay, If you sit under somebody like this, a woman teaching you, particularly as a man, okay, and there's no Bible for female pastors. I'm sorry, there's not. I don't have a problem with uh, women, like uh, a, a woman that's teaching another woman, you know, in regard to you know, certain biblical things, okay? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a woman up there acting like a pastor, okay? The Bible says the pastor should be the husband of one wife, 
not the wife of one husband. There is no exceptions to this. And you could say, well, you're a chauvinistic pig. Well, the Bible then is your what you have the problem with because the Bible is very clear on that. Then it goes through the deacons and the elders and these other types of people that were in the church. They can only be the husband of one wife as well. There, there's no debate. I mean, maybe maybe the false Bible versions change all this around. And again, just one more reason to avoid them. But... Um, the true Bible version, the King James, is it gets it right. Okay, so this Monica Dennington has been up there for years acting in the role of a pastor, teaching both men and women, and if you let yourself be overcome by her or any of these other false prophets, they are going to start deluding you. You are going to start believing in bad doctrine. Um, the Bible says, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man and, and that maketh flesh his arm and whose heart departeth from the Lord. Okay, so if you put your trust in man, or some teacher, that's where your trust is, your heart is going to depart from the Lord. You're going to get wrapped up in heresy, and that's why I tell people, don't don't follow me, you know, I mean, I'm a man, I can, I can be misled in these types of things. Follow the word of God. You know, trust in the word of God. Trust in the King James Bible. Okay? Focus on Jesus Christ, and, and not on, you know, a man, and, and you know, like this Monica Dennington, she's just trouble. I mean, you do not want to be messing around with her. Um, now, I don't even know if I have a file on her. Yeah, um, anyway. Yeah, she's creepy looking. She looks like a witch. I bet she is a witch. I mean, this is what occultists do. They infiltrate Christianity. They're assigned to do this. I mean, I just, I mean, look at her. All I can think of is she's a witch. I mean, she's she's trying to get you into hell. Is, is, is what she's doing, whether she knows it or not, whether she's conscious of it or not, you know. And, and I'm looking at, I do have a file on her. I have a six-page file on her. Um, you know, and it, it says her account states a video on-demand webcast that is focused on God's word as revealed in the Holy Bible and in the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, these videos are from Jesus freaks. People sold out and obedient to their commander. Jesus Christ. Oh, my word. Uh, uh, anyway, I, 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 can't, I don't have time to get into all this today. If you want this file, email me and I'll email it to you. Um, I've already inserted so much in today's, today's PDF. Um, but I can... Um, it goes in through what she actually teaches and her, her teachings examined. And, I mean, I'm telling you all that. I listened to her for like a few minutes at a time on a few different occasions and I mean it's so bad it's so in your face uh, her her heretical viewpoints or whatever it's very very apparent maybe I just caught like the right audio sections to know that really quick but it's pretty bad anyway um, going back to this main article I did a web search on Holy Spirit Mother without the quotes and one of the first web results dealt with this issue pretty well Here's what the page said. Is the Holy Spirit a woman? Um, I recently found a website with a series of articles authored by someone who appears to have a true love for Christ. What, like Monica Dennington? Yeah. And I feel I have learned a lot about Jesus from these articles. Okay. Well, here's the deal. You're going totally with your heart. You're not comparing it with what the Bible says. Okay. You can't be. And uh, if they're teaching Holy Spirit Mother, no, that is another gospel. And what does the Bible say about the heart? Well, Deuteronomy eleven sixteen 
through 18a says, Take heed to yourselves that your heart be not deceived, and ye turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. And then the Lord's wrath be kindled against you. See, a lot of times when you're doing this, I mean, you start believing this holy mother goddess stuff. Okay? Um, your heart is deceived. You're going to turn aside. You're going to serve other gods and worship them. And you're not even aware you're doing it. But you are, in God's eyes. And then the Lord's wrath be kindled against you, and he shut up heaven, and there be no rain, and the land yield not her fruit, unless ye perish quickly from off the good land which the Lord giveth you. Therefore shall ye lay up my words in your heart and in your soul. Proverbs 14.12 and 16.25 There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Um, Proverbs 28.26 He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. But whoso walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. Jeremiah 17.9 The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked who can know it. Proverbs 18.2 All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes. Well, I think she loves God, and I've, I've learned a lot from her. Really? And so, and I, I, I don't see it bearing any bad fruit in, in, in my life. It doesn't matter if, 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 you, if what you're learning and what you're starting to believe in is totally contradictory to the word of God. But see, all the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes. But the Lord weigheth the spirits. That's why it's very important to, to um, judge yourselves, lest ye be judged. We are supposed to judge ourselves. Okay? Uh, to spare ourselves from the judgment of God. Because <laughs> if we would police ourselves, okay, then God wouldn't have to chastise us near as much. I'm not saying you never get chastised, but if you would actually police yourself, which is hard to do, it's, it doesn't go along with, um, I don't know, I guess the flesh. The flesh doesn't want to discipline itself. It wants to do its own thing. So it's, it's challenging, but you can do it through the Lord. And you should do it to spare yourself, you know, the chastisement of God, among other things. Mark 7.13, making the word of God of none effect through your tradition. Okay. So, she's making people like her, people espousing this mother God divinity stuff, are making the word of God of none effect through their tradition. 1 Corinthians 14.33 For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. Jeremiah 17.5 Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and they make the flesh his arm, and his heart departed from the Lord. Okay, so, then it goes on with this this uh, question this guy found online. It says, but I have a couple of questions I would like to ask you. As regards to the Holy Spirit, he says, the Spirit is feminine, our spiritual mother. I have read in other books that the gender, when referring to the Spirit, is neuter. If you could recommend any good teaching dealing with this topic on this Holy Spirit, I would appreciate it. So this this is now remember this is a keyword search he found when he did a uh, uh, search for Holy Spirit Mother and he found this website where there was question and, and answer. So this was the answer. The notion of the Holy Spirit being feminine comes from the pagan view that God was once a woman before the patriarchs of Israel hijacked the people's religion and made God a man around the time of King Josiah. What a bunch of garbage this is. 
just wild stabbing in the dark, you know, like like some maniac stabbing in the dark, just throwing this stuff out there. They claim that the people retain the feminine deity in the form of Shekinah. Just think of she, like feminine, Shekinah, which is a Hebrew name for the Holy Spirit. Not really, anyway. A pagan Hebrew Kabbalistic name, yeah, we're going to get into that in a second. According to them, Shekinah was called Asherah in um, Canaanite ide- in Canaanite theology. Oh, good, the Canaanites, we know nothing bad ever came from there. I mean, just the pagan Canaanites. So, Shekinah was called Asherah in the Canaanite theology and was a fertility goddess and the consort of Jehovah. So, in other words, like Jehovah's concubine or whatever. The god of the Bible. I mean, again, we're, we're really getting into some blasphemous waters here, you know. It was said that Jehovah and Shekinah met in the Holy of Holies each Friday night as the Sabbath began to act out the Song of Solomon in a sexual liaison. I don't even like saying this garbage. For more information on this, you can read my study called When God Was a Woman. So I guess God is like this, this androgynous... I mean, in their eyes, this androgynistic, hermaphroditic, like, hodgepodge deity that can change sexes. I mean, again, if you were Satan and you were trying to blaspheme God, this is what the logical conclusion you would expect to see. So it doesn't surprise me. It just angers me with righteous indignation that they would write such evil about the Lord, about Father God, uh, anyway... While there is neither biblical nor historical support for this idea, (laughs) he even admits it. The guy, the devil writing this, who wrote the study when God was a woman, even admits this garbage. There is no biblical or historical support for this idea. Again, anything but having faith in the word of God, in the Bible, in the Lord Jesus Christ, anything but that, Anything but that. I'll I'll make stuff up to fit my own little personal view of what I think God is. Is basically what he's saying. Okay? And and the very idea is repulsive to both Jews and Christians. It has reemerged recently in this whole um, Mother God Divinity garbage. It has reemerged recently in the Da Vinci Code where Shekinah is referred to as the Divine Feminine. So again, this is why we have movies like the, the Da Vinci Code and those to just totally, you know, try to undermine and ruin the faith of Christians. Of course, this belief constitutes blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, a sin that our Lord said would not be forgiven in this life or the next. So he's admitting that too, which I really don't understand at all. You know? Uh, anyway, yeah, it, this would be, uh, I would say, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. If you're calling the Holy Spirit a woman, okay? I mean, I understand you can say, well, no, it only refers to, in, in the context of the Bible, when, when you attribute an act Jesus did through the Holy Spirit to Satan. Okay, yeah, but, okay, you're calling the Holy Spirit this divine feminine being that had sex with Jehovah, no, I think that would be blasphemous. I think that would be blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, possibly. I'm just saying, I don't, you know, I, it's not something I want to mess around with. Okay? 
I mean, I, I can't be dogmatic, but I sure wouldn't want to go around propagating that. You know, I, I, I'd, uh, uh, not something I want to mess around with. I, I won't say any more than that, but oof. So, the term Shekinah is used within the Messianic movement to refer to the presence of God or his dwelling in the tabernacle. Oh, his dwelling, right. Shekinah is also used to define the glory of God within his presence. Shekinah comes from the rabbinical Judaism in in a term that is found, its origins. Its origins were in the Kabbalah. Oh, really? The highest form of, of Judaic witchcraft? Yeah, the Kabbalah. Yeah, the most blasphemous form of Jewish witch. Yeah, that's it. The Kabbalah. That's where we get this term from. The Kabbalah, which is totally opposed to the Word of God, and particularly the New Testament, particularly Jesus Christ. Yeah, that same Kabbalah is where we get this term from. The concept of Shekinah has become so popular that it is used across the board in Christianity, as well as the Hebrew Roots Movement, which I've done umpteen studies on previously exposing. I mean, that's some dangerous stuff. I think if people understood that Shekinah is a feminine essence of God, interwoven with the feminine spirit of God, even though no such thing exists, known as the Mother Spirit, they would probably run and not walk away from using it. Yeah, you think so? Please note in the first definition, it shows that Shekinah comes from the Hebrew word uh, Shekin. Um, Hebrew, uh, this is from um, uh, Strong's, I believe. Shekan, Hebrew, H7931, that's the actual word. I'm going to go over this in a second. The word Shekinah is used over 100 times in the Old Testament, but there's no such Hebrew word called Shekinah in the Bible. Okay, again, this is wild, just asinine stabbing in the dark, what we're dealing with here. Just total insanity when I'm getting ready to go over. Okay, so I looked that word up. Okay, Strong's, H7931, Shekinah. This is from the lexicon. What does the word mean, okay? What does shakan mean in, in the um, Hebrew? What is actually translated? It is translated to settle down, to abide, dwell, or reside. How is that the Holy Spirit? How is, how is that the Holy Spirit? It, it's translated, this word is translated 92 times as dwell, 8 times as abide, 7 times as replace, 5 times as remain, Four times is inhabit, three times is rest, two times is set, one time is continue, one time is dwellers, and one time is dwelling. How do we get this Shekinah, Holy Spirit, Mother God, Trinity thing? Where in that is any feminine aspect, number one? Where, okay, then where, second question, where in that is any kind of Holy Spirit, third person, the Trinity aspect? Where, where, I, I just don't see it at all. It's not even in there. It doesn't even mean that. It means to settle down. To reside. To dwell. Doesn't mean some female goddess divinity. Well, yeah, but it sounds a little bit like it. It's, it's from the word uh, shakan, so we'll just say it means shekinah, and we'll, just, we'll say it means the divine feminine, even though it means nothing like that if you look at the etymology of the word in the Hebrew. It's not even close. It's, this is so ridiculous. And this is what they base their whole little cult religion on? Because a lot of people do. These girls at Walmart do. 
What, did the, what was the first thing I brought up? We want to teach you about the divine, you know, female mother goddess. You know? Us girls have been neglected for too long, and we want to look at this. <sighs> Come on, give me a break. The word Shekinah does not appear in the Hebrew Masoretic text or the Greek Textus Receptus. It is a made-up word. The word Shakan is not Shekinah. One cannot reinterpret, and it doesn't even mean that anyway. It doesn't mean what Shekinah supposedly means anyway. It doesn't even have anything to do with it. <coughs> Excuse me. One cannot reinterpret a word of the Bible just because it is the general consensus of a given cult, which is what I see over and over and over again. Well, I think it's this. God spoke to me. Or I had a prophet tell me it was this. Well, you know what? If whatever you think God spoke to you, whatever some prophet supposedly spoke to you, if it doesn't line up with the word of God, then you were not hearing from God. You were either hearing from a lying, deceitful devil, or from a false prophet that a lying, deceitful devil was talking through. You know how many times when I was in the Pentecostal movement, I had people come up to me and say, Oh, Brother John, you got to do this and, and do this and, you know, turn here, make a right on Elm and then go down this street. And, and I would do what they would say, not every time, but a lot. And, and never once was it ever right. Ever. What does that make them? A false prophet. Well, what are we supposed to do about false Well, in the Old Testament, and I'm not saying you do this now, but false prophets were killed. That's what they did. See Deuteronomy 18 toward the end. And then even if the false prophet gave you the right information, but it contradicted the word of God or was trying to lead you away from God, that was also a death sentence. So this is a very serious thing to God. Well, he's the same yesterday and forever, right? Well, I think it's still serious to him. And we have so many people going around, particularly with the advent of the internet, going around, oh, this and that, oh, God spoke this to me and this and that, and and then it's going to happen on this date, and it doesn't happen on that date. And then they just go their merry way. And the Pentecostals are more guilty of this than anything. And listen, I was one of them, I know. They go, they, they, they put out a false prophecy. Okay? A time-dependent false prophecy. Doesn't happen. Doesn't matter. We'll forget that one and go on to the next false prophecy. And act like brother or sister so-and-so is still in good graces with God. They have just shown themselves to be a false prophet. Okay? That, therefore, that means I don't listen to them anymore. I don't listen to them ever again. And I still see people talking about prophecies from supposed prophets that made prophecies that were time-dependent, that didn't come to pass, and these people are still following them. I, 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 don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. We're, we're not supposed to follow them. I mean, Jesus Christ said that there's going to be many false prophets will arise. In today's day and age. Reference Matthew 24. Okay, that is going to be an absolute, total sign of the times we're living in. And that is very, very, very true. So it's something we really need to be on guard guard of. And and um, uh, I, I just see it rampant. Let's go further. Um... Okay, so, it really does not matter how many heretics try to prove that Shakan really means Shekinah, when the Bible never uses the word 
And even if you tried to look at the word shakan, where it's used in the Bible, it couldn't possibly mean shekinah. It, it's, it's a totally different meaning. So there is no such word as shekinah in the Bible. It is a Middle Age, Middle Ages Kabbalistic addition to the vocabulary, essentially. Shekinah originated in the realm of the Kabbalah. Again, the word Shekinah is a term developed by Kabbalists to refer to the feminine presence of God, which we know is an occult view of God, not a biblical one. The term, the quote from which the articles referred to in an earlier post that identifies where the word Shekinah originated and was inserted long after the Bible was completed. Okay, so this, this word wasn't even, wasn't even used before the Bible, you know, the Bible had long been completed. And then the Kabbalists came up with it. And then they tried to re you can't do that and then reinsert it into the Bible. It doesn't work that way. <coughs> Just totally ridiculous. Among Hebrews, one of the traditional names of God, um, okay, hold on, many Hebrews saw Okay, this is from some pagan source, okay, that I'm quoting from here. This is from a pagan source. Among the Hebrews, one of the traditional names of God was Shekinah. Garbage lies, okay, maybe maybe the pagan Hebrews. And interestingly, it is a feminine gender now. Many Hebrews saw her as the mother or feminine aspect of God. The early scribes, later called rabbis, added Shekinah in biblical verses where the verb shakan is used in relation to God, which would make no sense whatsoever. If you try to say, oh, this is the feminine aspect deity of God, where we use the word shakan, what? It wouldn't even make sense. The sentence wouldn't make sense. You know? It'd be like me inserting the word Cadillac in, into some thing where, where you know, we're, we're talking about, like, you know, food additives or something. Just randomly inserting the word Cadillac. It doesn't make sense. It's like, oh, okay, that doesn't quite work. Um, so, again, this is just total, total garbage, what we're dealing with here. Uh, let's go further. The two, fa- two faces aspects of the divine, the Shekinah. I b- believe these are all like all occult sources I'm, I'm quoting from here. According to the Talmud, which is... <laughs> The Talmud is is a is particularly the Babylonian Talmud. Now I've done a study. I've done studies on the Talmud, exposing it. You got the Midrash, the Talmud, and the Kabbalah. The Midrash and the Talmud tend to lead people into the into the Kabbalah, which is the highest form of Judaic witchcraft. Okay, the Talmud and the Midrash kind of get you moving in that direction because these are these are are, are things that are uh, writings that are apart from the Bible. The Babylonian Talmud is the most blasphemous uh, book, books, volumes, that I have ever quoted from. Um, when I do the study on the Talmud, I'll, you'll hear me read some verses from the Babylonian Talmud. And this is after the, the Jews were in exile, after 17, the, the destruction of the Temple in 72 A.D., and they, they went back to Babylon, essentially, and they wrote these incredibly blasphemous writings. So much of it was about Jesus Christ and said things about him that are not fit for me to repeat, really on air. Okay? And um, so, according to the Talmud, this is our source here, 
The Shekinah, the indwelling, is the divine that resides within the life of the world, dwelling on earth with the Jewish people and going into exile with them when they are exiled. So this is the the same female divine feminine thing, uh, devil, that they worshipped when they were exiled. Because they had rejected Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that they were blinded. Blindness in part is happened to the Jews, to Israel, until the fullness of the Gentile come in. That's what the Bible says. So see, they were literally blinded. When they said, give us Barabbas, crucify Jesus, let his blood be upon us and our children, they brought a collective curse upon themselves that has lasted to this day. They asked for it. Now, I'm not coming down on the Jews at all. Okay? I'm stating facts. Okay? And when you read Romans in, in certain chapters in Romans, it says, you know, don't boast against the Jews. Don't boast, boast against the natural branches. You being a wild olive branch grafted in as a Gentile. Because you can be removed too. So don't boast against them. We're not supposed to be puffed up because, you know, the Jews are blind. Not to say that a Jew can't get saved, but it's just that since then, because he came to his own and his own received him not, as the Bible says. And I've done whole studies on this, where just key in um, affliction, the, the biblical cause of, of Israel's affliction, I believe, is, is the name of the study, where I get into this subject in depth. And it, it's, it's not either for or against the Jews. It's just stating, what does the Bible say happened? You know, I just try to stick with what the Word of God says. And so, um, <laughs> this is interesting because it's saying, according to the Talmud, the Shekinah, the indwelling, is the divine that resides within the life of the world, dwelling on earth with the Jewish people and going into exile with them when they, are exi- when they were exiled. Because, see, some spirit went with them when they were exiled in 72 AD and the temple was destroyed. And they wrote the Babylonian Talmud. And it was not the Spirit of God, for sure. Interesting. While the traditional Jewish image of the transcendent God is male, in the Kabbalah, that image has been accompanied by the female image of the Shekinah, the inner glory of existence. Now, I provided you links here, where I've talked about these subjects. One um, is on the Talmud. One is on the Kabbalah. One is on Hebrew, where you're going to get in the Hebrew roots teachings that I've uh, Hebrew Roots Movement that I've exposed, and one is on Shekinah. I've talked about this before as well. I give you links here, and they're in green. Whenever you see green things, it's either where I'm kind of talking about something or where I've inserted something or where I've inserted a teaching on the PDF. So you can just click on these, and if you'd like to hear those specific teachings where I've covered these this um, subject subjects before at length, Okay, so now another research result, which was way at the top by another person named David J. Stewart of JesusIsSavior.com, or Jesus-Is-Savior.com. In this instance, he was propagating a Baptist minister named Dr. Jack Hiles, and his message was called, The Woman, the Holy Spirit of the Family. (laughs) Okay, now, if you don't believe that exists, I give you a link to... JesusIsSavior.com, David J. Stewart, where he still got it on his website. Woman, the Holy Spirit of the Family by Pastor Jack Hiles. A lot of problems with Jack Hiles. I've got a whole huge file on the guy. And this is just one of them. Right at the top of the message, Jack Hiles begins to pray and says, The Lord chose to compare a family with the Trinity. 
Um, so can anyone tell me where Jack Howes got that? I don't remember reading that in the Bible. Where does the Lord compare the, the Trinity to a family? And so I did a web search for family with the Trinity, and right at the top is a match from a Catholic website, which states, quote, The family is a reflection of the Trinity. The husband, wife, and children are a reflection of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And this, so this all starts to make sense now. Seeing how much of the Catholic Church wanted to exalt Mary. Ah, now we're getting back into Mary. We're seeing how this Shekinah glory thing would relate to Mary now. Or any other female pagan deity in times past. Whether you want to call her Isis or Aphrodite or whatever. Seeing how the Catholic Church wanted to exalt Mary into an office that God never ordained, the Catholic Church calls the doctrine the assumption of Mary. Because <laughs> we're assuming Mary's a deity. Okay, basically, that's not what it means, but I'll get into what it means in a second. Here's a typical picture often used to describe their made-up event, this assumption of Mary. And it shows God the Father and Jesus, the Sananda, uh, long-haired, Jesus, okay, with the Egyptian sun disc around, which is a halo, which is pagan, okay, and they're they're holding their crown, and then Mary comes up with her Egyptian sun disc, and they have all the little cherub-like, little cherub angels, none of which are ever described in the Bible. You ever say cherub in the Bible? Now, I don't mean a cherub like what, what Satan actually was, the anointed cherub that covereth. No, I don't mean. I mean the cherub, little little boy with little arrows. I mean, there's, there's a Bible for that. Anyway, it's showing a Catholic. Re- rendering of what this assumption of Mary, when she lived out her sinless life and ascended into heaven to take her part in, as, as rightful heir as part of the Trinity. I'm not making this up. This is what they're trying to do. They're trying to deify Mary. They call her the co-redemptrix in the Catholic religion. They refer to her as the co-redemptrix, meaning you get saved through Mary to get to Jesus. Why? Because they portray Jesus in the Catholic Church as this angry um, son of Mary that's on the throne that wants to just rain down fury on humanity and only, only his mother can calm him down. That's how he's portrayed in the Baltimore Catechism. I've seen pictures of it. I mean, like, they're, they're trying to, like, render drawings of, oh, oh, no, no, Jesus, come on, come down, listen to mommy, listen to mommy. And, 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 and so she is the only way we can get to Jesus, is through Mary. The Bible says there's one, and, and, and so we gotta go through Mary, and then we also gotta go through our, our local priest, you know, to do confession, and so he can prescribe you all the, the, um, genuflecting and Hail Marys and whatever else you gotta do. Your penance, you know, so you gotta have that, and then you gotta have the seven sacraments. But the Bible says there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. We don't go through a priest to get to Jesus. We don't go through Mary to get to a Jesus. We can go to Jesus directly. Okay, but see, they want to make you jump through 84 hoops in order to get your bro cream religion, little dabble do you, okay, in order so that you might have the chance of, of getting to heaven without, without a whole lot of suffering and purgatory. You know, kind of keep that purgatory time down to a minimum, even though that's a totally made up garbage doctrine too. Just like limbo. Anyway, so, and so what, and so what Catholicism does is lean toward worship of a feminine deity that they created themselves. They call her Mary and deify her as a third part of the Trinity. 
but this has also been exposed as a lie over and over again. Um, it goes back to what other the other man stated above in regards to pagans worshipping Asherah. Now, I want to give you a little background on this assumption of Mary. So, so I'm giving you accurate information. Because this isn't just the Catholics, okay? The assumption of Mary into heaven, informally known as the Assumption, according to the beliefs of the Catholic Church, Eastern Orthodoxy, Oriental Orthodoxy, and parts of Anglicanism, was the bodily taking up of the Virgin Mary into heaven at the end of her earthly life. The Catholic Church teaches as dogma that the Virgin Mary, having completed the course of her earthly life, was assumed body and soul into heavenly glory. Body and soul. Okay? Mm, Really. This doctrine was dogmatically defined by Pope Pius II, just like Jesus was taken up into heaven. Remember that? Well, that's why they're equating her with Jesus. They're saying she was sinless, and that she, just like her son Jesus, Christ, was also taken up into heaven, body, soul, and spirit. Yeah. That's what it teaches. What blasphemy. Um, so this, this doctrine was dogmatically defined by Pope Pius twelfth on November 1st, 1950, in the Apostolic Constitution by exercising his papal infallibility. Because, see, they're all perfect. They, they're infallible, these wonderful pedophilic devil popes, you know, that enable their pedophilic priesthood and have given us such wonderful things like the Inquisition, where, you know, just like 50-plus million people were killed, many of them born-again Bible-believing Christians in the most horrific way you could even possibly imagine. Yeah, those same popes. They're infallible. What blasphemy. Uh, um... <clears throat> Pope Pius XII pointed to the book of Genesis 3.15 as scriptural support for the dogma in terms of Mary's victory over sin and death. Give me a break. The Bible says in Genesis 3.15, and this is after Eve sinned, okay? This is punishment to Eve and the serpent. This This isn't about Eve's victory over sin and death. Okay, there is a part of the verse that does relate to that, but it's not about Eve's victory. Okay, what does it say? And I've said this verse, I don't even know how many times in this teaching. And I will put enmity, and the word enmity means war, between thee and the woman, the serpent and the woman. Okay, the 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 serpent meaning basically Satan, okay, and his minions, and the woman. And between, who is... The mother of us all, okay? Eve. I mean, she was the first woman, okay? We all had to come from Eve one way or another, you know? Anyway, and between thy seed and her seed, meaning the seed of of the serpent and the seed of Eve, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shall bruise his heel. Okay? The seed of the woman, meaning through Jesus Christ, which is where, obviously, Jesus Christ came from, you know, that was, if you look at the origin of, of, of um, uh, life that came after Adam and Eve, obviously had to, had to be with Eve, okay? It shall bruise thy head and thou shall bruise his heel. The seed of the woman through Jesus Christ is going to bruise the head of Satan, and he did that at the cross of Calvary. Okay? He had victory over Satan. Okay, 
And so that is what it was prophesying. It wasn't prophesying about the victory Eve had. Eve was being punished here. The serpent was being punished. So when it says Pope Pius XII pointed to the book of Genesis 3.15, the verse we just read, as scriptural support for the dogma, for this dogma that, that she was assumed body, uh, body and soul into heavenly glory, he, he, when it says that that's dogma in terms of Mary's victory over sin and death, <coughs> excuse me, you, you, you couldn't have a more asinine um, assumption. You couldn't have something more contradictory and off base than that. Of all things to use, it's like, are you kidding me? Couldn't you have found a better verse than that? That's like the worst verse you could use. Anyway, and this was supposedly also reflected in um, 1 Corinthians 15.54 which says, Then shall come to pass the saying, What is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. That has nothing to do with Eve. Okay? And how she was taken up into heaven, body, soul, and spirit, and lived a sinless um, existence. So they believe that, um, they believe that she was sinless, and this is why that she was able to do this. In the churches that observe it, the Assumption is a major feast day, commonly celebrated on August 15th. In many countries, the feast is also marked as a holy day of obligation. Now, I, I posted a couple little pictures from the one of the newest chick tracks. In fact, they got one right now, a new one they just got out on Mary. And I just posted, posted two pictures from that. And the one we're looking at, it says, Catholicism teaches that Mary was sinless and remained a virgin. Okay? She remained a virgin. After Jesus, okay? But the Holy Scriptures record Mary offering two doves for a sin offering. Okay, now if Mary had no sin, why did she offer two doves as a sin offering in Luke 22 through 24? Why did why did she do that? And where does it say to do that? Well, they were still under Old Testament law, and it says to do that in Leviticus 12.8. Okay? She had sin. Okay? Yes, was she blessed among all? Yeah, sure. She bore Jesus Christ, sure, but she wasn't sinless. Okay, she wasn't a deity to be worshipped. And also, this thing about her remaining a virgin after after Jesus was born? Well, hold on. Later, she bore Joseph four boys and some daughters. The biblical Mary cannot possibly be the virgin Mary goddess of Catholicism. She was a virgin afterward. Uh, anyway, so three more cults have also embraced this doctrine of this Shekinah. The Branch Davidians, okay, the, the ones that got burned, oh, that was terrible, in Waco. Anyway, in 1977, one of their leaders, Lois Roden, began to formally teach that a feminine Holy Spirit is a heavenly pattern of woman. In, in her many studies and talks, she cited numerous scholars and researchers from Jewish, Christian, and other sources. They see in the creation of Adam and Eve a literal image and likeness of the invisible Godhead, male and female, who is clearly seen being understood by the things that are made. Um, whatever. Again, just wild speculation. Stabbing in the dark like, like a raving lunatic, you know, just to establish whatever cult little religion that you want to uh, establish. 
They take the oneness of God to mean the familial unity which exists between them, which unity is not seen in any other depiction of the Godhead by the various non-Hebrew peoples. Thus, having a father and mother in heaven, they see that the Bible shows that those parents had a son born unto them before the creation of the world, by whom all things were created. So that's what the Branch Davidians were believing. And then we've got the Unity Church, the Unitarians, which I mean, you got gay clergy there, which would make a lot of sense. You got lesbians in there in the pulpit. And, well, of course, you got that in a lot of mainstream denominations now, too. You got lesbians and, you know, Methodists and Presbyterians and, you know, all kind of just insane stuff going on. The Unity Church's co-founder, Charles Fillmore, considered the Holy Spirit a distinctly feminine aspect of God, considered it to be the love of Jehovah, and love is always feminine, according to the world, according to this devil. You know, so there's another cult that believes in this. And then you've got the Mormons. Um, Mormons and Christianity, in, in this article, one Mormon hymn referred to a heavenly mother partnering to the Father. However, it is not worshipped as divine and official Mormon teachings hold that the spirit is considered to be male. I met a guy, and this this story is really fuzzy to me because I just I know I've related it in other teachings, probably a lot better. But I remember a guy that I, I consulted with a long time ago, um, and I think it was on the whole oh boy, one of those sovereign type things where you're you're trying to. I think it was about land patents or whatever I, I was talking to this guy about. And um, this guy had, you know, a program and this and that. And supposedly he was a guru for this and that. But they, it turned out the guy was like some fringe Mormon. And we had a conversation one night. And, and in the end, he said something about that, um, oh, the the deepest levels of of Mormonism, we actually worship the 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 mother goddess of the Trinity. And I'm like, what? Now, I wasn't really like, this was a long time ago. I was more into the baby Christian mode. I wasn't like Mr. Super Discernment. But I was like, I, I think I said something like, oh, what is that? What, what do you mean? He's like, oh, oh. I said, what is, the, what is she called? And he says, oh, it's, it's not, it's not um, after fitting that we would ever utter her name. Something along those lines. In other words, the people that believe this, about this Shekinah thing, about this mother goddess, uh, you know, um, third part of the Trinity thing, they will hold this mother goddess in much higher esteem and in much higher reverence than they will hold Jesus Christ, if they even believe in Jesus Christ, or Father God. They won't, there's a lot of them that will, we, we can't utter her name. It wouldn't be right. We would be struck dead or something. I mean, it's like really, really creepy. And I'll never forget that, that conversation I had with him. And then I realized, I sent this guy money. <laughs> and that was, turned out to be a total waste of money. And again, he was being led by not a good spirit, you know? So I, I learned the hard way. That was probably like, oh my word. Oh, 15 years ago, maybe, or man, maybe it wasn't that long. I, I don't know, but it, it was it was a while back. Anyway, um, you just gotta be really careful what you're what you're believing. Um, that is all I have for that part. I've got one more part, and it's kind of more of a little health corner 
And I will go ahead and end part um, two here, and we'll go to part three.